Welcome to today's off-season, wherever you are listening across the Resonate Broadcast Network, whether it be in 4SB, Kingaroy, 4VL, Charleville, 4ZR in Roma, 4HI in Emerald, 4LM Mount Isa, 4GC in Hot Country, 4LG across the western, uh, central west of Queensland or the Hot Country Network. Boys, as I'm joined by Scott Parkinson and Nick Backstrom in the studio, um, Anzac Day. Wasn't it great to see everybody get across um, the the light up the dawn, um, the services that were provided, seeing everybody interact, and, and as I said across local radio yesterday, it's it's going to be an Anzac Day that everyone remembers for the, the rest of their lives. And to be fair, and good morning everyone, to be fair, Anzac Day has gone through some troubled times before. I know in the, the late 90s, uh, the crowd figures had, mm. um, had dropped and they were questioning the the future of Anzac Day, and there was an absolute rise in numbers um, over recent years. And this was going to test Anzac Day and see, you know, what could happen. Obviously, there was no gatherings and, and things of that nature. But the one thing it has done is just bring everyone together, and there's yep. creative ways to do it. I know Longreach is there's everywhere you drive, there's you know um, wreaths or poppies out the front. Um, I think it's I think it's a great thing that everyone's done their little part to commemorate what is such a special day. Well, it just goes to show how important that day is to uh, Australians as a whole because everyone's desperate to do something. Mm. You know, we're told we couldn't have our traditional gatherings and everyone just going, oh, well, we'll just let it go this year. No, they all wanted to do something. So many ideas and, uh, yeah, as you say, great to see what people did. And, Scott, uh, one great thing was to see social media used for a positive for a change. Oh, 100%. I mean, we bargain out all the time, don't we, yeah. social media, but... Mm. You know, there's so many stories that people have shared. And, and even, you know, what's he like? I know in Longreach, I think a lot of places were walking to the end of their driveways at, at 6 o'clock this morning. And, and I've just heard lots of stories about neighbours actually having a conversation yeah. across the road and, and seeing, <laughs> yeah. you know, neighbours with medals and asking them questions. And I think that's just fantastic. And, and that's what, in times like this, mate, it's about bringing people together. And look, oh, we'll have to move through this pretty quickly, but I did get a couple of fan emails during the week cool. and two questions. One uh, directed at you, Mr oh. Backstrom. Uh, your thoughts on the Raylene Castle uh, eviction or leaving uh, Rugby Australia? Oh, look, she had an absolutely thankless job. Uh, she took over... A- an organisation that was in disarray. I don't know if it's got that much better. She had a lot of bad luck in that tenure, but I thought, I've said, I've said this before, uh, most of the focus of criticism was the fact she was a woman rather than what her actual decisions were doing. Yeah. Uh, got rid of checker. Viewer <laughs> question or listen to question number two. Uh, dear Scott, uh, I am also a uh, one of the few valued Broncos fans in <laughs> Queensland. Uh, do you believe Paul White would make a great CEO of the NRL or would you prefer to see a businessman or an old head like the great Wayne Bennett? Oh, thank you for your question, anonymous tipster. Um, well, mate, it's, it's, it's a fair one. I think Paul White would do a fantastic job. I think he's done a great job at the Broncos. I mean, they are... I think the biggest sporting club in Australia, um, you know, in terms of money and revenue and all those sort of things. We got to meet the great man. He was fantastic to listen to. I would just hate to see the CEO is a very thankless job. Todd Greenberg, very similar to Alien Cars, just got run out of the game. No matter what he did, it seemed to be not good enough. And I'd hate to see Paul, I'm going to call him Paul because he's a friend of mine. So I'd hate to see him go through that. So I don't know, mate. It's a, it's a tricky one, but I think Paul White would do a fantastic job. Yeah, I think Paulie, yeah, we're all mates now, uh, would do a great job because what. That whole Wayne Bennett uh, debacle, he had to make the choice for an, an old mate and the business. good of the club. Yeah, it's a hard and decision. He, and he made that hard decision. He made the right one in the end. Yeah. Big show coming up today. And first of all, I'll head across the new racing uh, districts of Queensland. I'll catch up with Scott Power, Brooke Richardson, Rob Luck, and head up north to Jay Morris for their thoughts on the new racing regions. Certainly a few conflicting 
uh, thoughts definitely with the jockey movement is going to really cripple numbers. Uh, interesting to hear the thoughts of Brooke Richardson, who also has been uh, riding successfully on the coast and now will not able to be doing that. Uh, one of the many events uh, across our great state that has had to have been uh, cancelled was in its second year and that was the Outback Masters and we catch up with Luke Batesnick. Yeah, it was looking very good. People after last year was a great success, and people were coming back. Numbers were growing, um, and yeah, so it's disappointing. Obviously, it was the decision they had to make. But as I said, it may be one of those things where not just with this event, but a lot of other events, people have been going, "Oh, one day I'll do that." Maybe the next time the opportunity comes, I'll grab it because you never know. The great Jamie Sauer joins us also. Yeah, friend of the show and obviously Sweet and Sour podcast. If you're not subscribed to that, you've got rocks in your head because it's absolutely fantastic. Tell us about the great Beer Wars. So they're having a big uh, big finals series of Beer Wars and uh, some interesting results so far. Sit back, gather round. This is the off-season heard right across the Resonate Broadcast Network. Back with today's off-season for this 26th day of April 2020. Wattsy in the chair here with you this morning. And uh, you can catch us right across the Resonate Broadcast Network on 4SB at 4VL, 4ZR, 4HI, 4LM, 4GC, 4LG and Hot Country. Nick Backstrom joins me again. And uh, an event that we were really looking forward to again uh, this year was the second uh, Outback uh, Masters. Yeah, disappointing but unsurprising it was uh, postponed but uh, unavoidable. And uh, I think it'll make next year all the sweeter. And uh, joining us from Gulf Queensland, Luke Bates uh, with us this morning. How are you, mate? Yeah, good, thanks, Andrew. Thanks for having me on. Not a problem. Um, obviously, it was a decision that had to be made, but it's, it's a bit of a disappointing one because it had gained so much momentum after its inaugural year. Yeah, it was. It's, um, you know, but it was. It was one of those ones where uh, we, we looked at all the different options and unfortunately it, it just had to be done. But, um, yeah, it was, you know, it's been great. We... We had quite a number of tickets that would have been sold, and, and out of all of them, um, you know, we offered refunds or moving them to next year, and, and a lot of people have just shifted them on to next year, which is great. They're, and they're obviously looking forward uh, to uh, taking part in it then. Yeah, I, I can't help thinking a lot of these events, a, a number of people are going to be going, one day I'll do that. They'll suddenly go, when they get the chance, go, I'm grabbing this with both hands because you don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, that's right. That's um, it's strange times, isn't it? So uh, you know, it's certainly an experience, and the people that uh, you know did three, four, five, or, or all six last year just um, raved about the experience from all the the towns involved. So um, yeah, why not uh, grab it while you can? And how was the interest uh, looking at this year's event? Yeah, it was it was really strong. Uh, interestingly, probably the um, area that was up the most was in our um, six. Uh, event passes. Uh, yeah. We'd sold uh, quite a few of those, uh, certainly compared to pre uh, last year. So um, you know, and that was just the players. So what we found last year as well was when the players uh, bought the tickets, they then came on later on. They had a partner um, or family or friend also join them. Um, they didn't necessarily buy the ticket at the same time though. So that was really encouraging that people were locking in all the six events to uh, travel throughout the uh, outback Queensland. Now, Luke, um, one thing that is still a bit of a guiding light is the fact that you're still able to play golf. And and the wonderful part about that is golf, especially for me, you walk kilometres upon kilometres to find your ball. (laughs) But um, it is a a way to get out in the air and exercise. And uh, you can still have that connection with one person abiding social distance, which is great for your mental health. How um, are clubs dealing with this uh, across uh, Queensland? 
Yeah, it's um, it's been really interesting up here in Queensland. Obviously, it's different state by state, but when uh, the new laws, I guess, came into play, first of all, golf clubs were told they needed to close. And it was uh, like that for about 24, 48 hours um, until that changed. We uh, were lucky enough to have a good chat there with um, government and the rest and um, work through it so we could open them back up underneath the, the restrictions. So... With that, the golf clubs, you know, felt that loss of not being able to access the course. And then when it was opened back up again, they thought, wow, this is great. Um, we've got the opportunity back. Yes, we've got some big restrictions in place, but if we do the right thing here, we can keep playing golf, which in these times when there's so many things that we're not able to do, it's, it's great for these golfers to still get out there and have a game. Yeah, personally, I don't come in with a cooey of my golfing partner once we lift the tee. You know, <laughs> we'll meet yeah, each other up in about 20 funny. minutes. Um, you know, we talk about the 1.5 metres distancing, but um, there's no reason you really got to get within 5 or 10 metres of your playing partner in golf. And I know I can relate to that with some of my partners I play with. <laughs> oh, I reckon you're probably a cut above us, Luke. <laughs> <laughs> but Luke, uh, other states, they've actually kept that golf closed i think uh victorian western australia if i'm correct uh yeah so victoria northern territory right now has yeah. still got their courses closed but um all the other states uh courses are open but um just some there is some differences i guess on what um the clubs need to do to be able to play i know it's, it'd be great to have a crystal ball and apparently nrl's the only one with a crystal ball <laughs> <laughs> at the moment but um looking forward to in in uh events coming up in queensland have you started planning or or, or th- getting things into place for in the latter part of the year oh not really i mean we we look at our schedule which you know runs uh you know, pretty much throughout the calendar year, we're lucky up here. Um, right now, events to July 1 have been uh, cancelled or postponed. Um, you know, so it, it's interesting. That's when we get into the winter side of things. Uh, the big thing which we're mindful of on the restrictions is obviously travel. And yep. you know, a lot of state events, um, and even district events for that matter, require travel. So, yeah, it's probably going to be a little while before it's clear of when um, you know players will be able to jump in the car and do a bit of travelling to, to go play their golf and uh, I guess even um, you know be a tourist I guess again as well. Luke Bates from uh, Golf Queensland, always great to catch up and appreciate your time. No, no worries at all. Thanks a lot. This is the off season heard right across the Resonate Broadcast Network. Back with today's off season heard across the Resonate Broadcast Network, you can uh, catch us. On 4VL Charleville, 4SB Kingaroy, 4ZR Roma, 4HI in Emerald, 4LM Mount Isa, 4GC Charters Towers, 4LG Longreach and the Hot Country Network. Big news during the week was the restructure of the Queensland Racing Zones, which has uh, significantly changed uh, since the first edition of those. And the big change is, obviously, that jockeys have to stay in the one region with the horses. Uh, Heading across to Capricornia region, first of all, to get his thoughts uh, on the new zoning, uh, Scotty Power joins me. Mate, it's been a tough couple of weeks uh, for you in particular in Emerald, um, with horses only being able to have the one run. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, Watsi, um, good morning to you too, mate, and good morning everyone uh, on this Sunday morning. And um, yeah, I think what the people need to realise is that the racing is still going ahead, um, so that's a bonus when you look at it. It's the only sporting event that's going ahead uh, across Australia, and uh, all the stakeholders need to respect that, um, and also to respect the distancing rules and, and also um, the COVID-19 rules with the temperatures, checks, and etc. like that. But 
You're right. Yeah, Emerald, Emerald, Emerald have raced. They've lost the meeting from yesterday, but they do race again next Saturday, the 2nd of May. It brings into an interesting dynamic as well because Rockhampton was coupled in with Mackay and it, having Emerald in that zone will allow the likes of Johnny Mansman to bring a truckload down. You've got Billy Johnson an arm's length away and probably the bottom end, with no disrespect for TAB horses, your, your Class Bs and those type of horses, Emerald, Emerald should be quite strong. Emerald's going to be very strong. You, you, you did set right, Mick. You, you, you can also see the horses from that area that can go to Rocky and Mackay as well, whereas with the uh, previous zones I had, Watsy, uh, that was unable to be the case um, with Emerald only being able to race at Emerald and, of course, with the, with the uncertainty out in the West. Um, that, that's being changed, obviously, with the, with the new restructure, but um, Emerald, Rocky and Mackay in the one zone, uh, yeah, and those horses uh, can go to Rocky and Mackay, um, and those jockeys are just um, right in that one area now. They won't be able to sort of to and fro. An interesting region, Scott, we're talking about off-air, is definitely the Bundaberg-Dolby region, with Dolby quite a strong borderline provincial uh, area, isn't it? Exactly. You've got the likes of Dave Reynolds and Matt Cropp, etc., with uh, training establishments in in those areas down there. And um, then you've got the the, um, zone being up to Bundaberg. Uh, Now, the jockeys in that area can only ride to them two places. Yeah, uh, fairly big difference in, in travel, I'd, I'd say. Um, you know, particularly um, with Bundaberg uh, on the coast, and then you've got Dolby down there to Umba. So, um, yeah, a, a lot of difference in prize money, um, as we know from the provincial TABs. But at the end of the day, mate, the stakeholders are still getting their chance to race. Yeah, that's exactly right, Scotty. Thanks for your time this morning. We've got uh, Brooke Richardson on the line now. We head across to Bar Calden and. Uh, Similarly with uh, Scott Power in Emerald, it's been a fairly quiet week for country racing, but uh, you've definitely been busy throwing Rockhampton in the mix. Yeah, look, I've been pretty lucky and and pretty blessed for the time being that I've had. I've been able to travel to Rockhampton, and that's given me the opportunity to ride two times a week, and I'm not travelling too far for only a handful of rides. As there was more races and stuff, there was more demand for jockeys, so... Um, I had a pretty pretty lucky run, but that's all coming to a stop. Now, Brooke, obviously you're dead set smack bang in Barcaldon in the middle of Mount Isa and probably Roma, respectively. Have you had much uh, com- many conversations with trainers looking for your services in that off week? Yeah, look, I've mainly had people trying to convince me to sort of go Rockhampton, Emerald Way and base myself out of there. Yeah. But like you said, I am in... Barky and I do think we're going to need the extra help out here and and not to mention I am the only track work rider and jockey in Barcaldon yep. so you know you've got Todd Austin Stable who's got quite a large number my father himself and Patrick O'Toole and people like that and it's it's just a really tough position to be in. And, and um, Brooke any decision on whether you'll head to Mount Ithers the Northwest or, or Charleville Roma? Uh, look I'll definitely probably consider uh Roma and Charleville. I did have people wanting um, me and Roma originally when all the first zoning come into place. People wanted me to relocate to Roma. I do have a little support network there with some rides. Um, and I do believe that those Roma people will also be looking at going to Charleville. So I think um, in regards to rides, I should be okay. But the travelling is what's really going to sting the pocket. <laughs> Thanks, Brooke. Still in the Central West, and uh, obviously, as, as I've said with Scott and Brooke, there has been 
a shortage of race meetings uh, in the past few weeks uh, with just the one at Emerald a fortnight ago. And I'm joined uh, by Mr Rob Luck, the president of Longreach Jockey Club. Um, it's certainly a step forward from the original movement of jockeys now. That the movement of jockeys was simply because the the lower number of jockeys. Now, the the benefit with having Mount Isa, Mount Isa are basically a self-sufficient region. They have eight jockeys res, residing in Mount Isa, plus the nominations where they speak for themselves. So we can actually benefit from those northern, northwest jockeys coming here to the central west. Somebody like David Rewalt, uh, Charlie Prow, Dennis O'Brien, they now have Charleville and Roma at an arm's length, which they use which anyway. Which they usually do. And, and the thing that people need to understand is this has been a work in progress, and I'm sure plenty of sleepless nights with CEO Brendan Parnell and Simon Stout working to get this happening. And I think we've see, this is a better model than we initially saw, but you don't know that at the time because, no. as we know... Um, today's news is yesterday is tomorrow's rubbish with, mm. when it comes to covid isn't it like all bets are off things change by the hour hindsight's easy but the important thing with racing queensland the way they approach things is to go steadily is to work with people in this case working with health to tinker things when it comes out not everyone is going there's always a positive and a negative whether it be with the jockey situation or mm. the trainers but the key things are jockey movement is now north south it's not east west so jockeys yep. pick a zone to be in and yes that may cause some problems in in the northwest to the north region yep. but basically once they pick that you can move up and down mount isa can come down here we can go up there uh down to roma etc as you've said um it's just so important to realize that the racing is now across the state yes and that racing queensland has worked i think brilliantly with the health department to get mm. this across the line so that it's continuing in the central west and and the racing queensland body also re uh, recognize the importance of this to the total economy yeah. not only to the health but the economies of these regions rob luck thank you very much for your time now we head up to the northwest region and uh, we check in with uh, jay morris a uh, bit of an indifferent feeling for the northwest uh, players that's for sure well we'll see first of all like everyone's happy that we're still continuing with the race, um, and obviously for you guys in the Central, it's really good to be able to have the opportunity to go around again. For example, a couple of weeks ago, we had quite a few Townsville jockeys come out to help support the meeting. Um, we had 102 acceptors, I think it was, or close to the money, and with them jockeys available, it made 36 horses get gain a start for the day. So without them now, um, so the next, because we're only fortnightly racing, um, the field sizes are quite large, um, and with the restrictions on jockeys, like, it's going to really hurt a lot of trainers to be able to gain starts. Uh, for example, uh, Jeffrey Felix, Rhiannon Payne and a few of them came out, helped us helped us out. Um, without them, we're back to probably our original seven or eight jockeys. And with work schedules out here, they've, they've still got to work, some of those, those guys, so they may miss it. Um, and that means the field size is just so, so depleted. Um, and trainers are keeping them in work for, for hopefully the fortnight later where the same thing's going to occur. So in, in, in the past, we've raced weekly and the trainers that miss out one week may get a chance the next week with our, with our current pool of jockeys without having to get anyone in to gain a start. But now, everyone's nominating every fortnight and without, with only eight jockeys, it really means we can only have the that amount of runners per race. And Jay, before I let you go, um, it's been both both zonings uh, from Racing Queensland haven't really, they've kind of left the Northwest region out and it's, it's quite sad really because 
you are almost self-sufficient up there in, in the sense that you have so many horses in work and you have the jockeys. Uh, initially, you were left off the TAB circuit and now you're seemingly um, at the back end of this deal as well. Mate, I, I think it really stood out um, when they first did the zones and the TAB meets and that we were the, one of the only places that were fortnightly. Um, not as if we're a small town, we had quite a bit to the... Um, the state's economy and um, there's, you know, there's probably 20,000 people here. Like you said, their horse numbers are great. We've, we've actually got eight or so jockeys, nine maybe in the district or in our, in our town. Um, and it just was like a bit of a kick in the guts. Um, let's be honest, this new deal, this, the greater western region, will, it, it'll benefit the central um, by having us in the district, to be honest, because our, jo- our jockeys will travel there. Certainly um, a divide amongst zones uh, and amongst thoughts of those participants. Um, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out, but uh, I think the for the greater good, racing's going ahead for the community and for the welfare of the horses. This is the off-season heard right across the Resonate Broadcast Network. Back with today's off-season for this 26th day of April 2020. You can catch us right across the Resonate Broadcast Network. Scott Parkinson, one thing that really blew me away this week was the first two episodes of The Last Dance. Oh, outstanding documentary. I think we've been waiting a while. We could have been waiting a lot longer. It came out um, earlier than expected. Yeah. One thing that did resonate with me, though, Michael Jordan was probably one of the top three figures in sport. Uh, Muhammad Ali, Babe Ruth, Michael Jordan. I think they missed two. They definitely miss Shane Warne and the bloke on the other end of the line, NRL legend Jamie Soud. Good morning. <laughs> oh, I proved from last week. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you what, you're not paying me, but you can pay me back in compliments. That's how <laughs> uh, mentioned with that. But uh, The Last Dance, boys, absolutely amazing documentary. And the whole time, I, I, I didn't want to tweet or read Twitter as I was watching it. I actually turned my phone off, sat down and watched it. And you just got the sense and the thought that how lucky we are, for me personally, that we're witnessing guys like LeBron James now because I wasn't able to watch Michael Jordan in his prime uh, in terms of I was only you know, 13, 14, 15, but probably the access that we get to LeBron James and all those athletes right now. So it's absolutely outstanding. I, I can't wait for the next installment. It's a great point. I mean, the access we get is, is unbelievable. I think you know other sports in Australia are starting to take that lead. Mate, what was your big takeaway uh, from those first two episodes? Obviously, got to wait till the third one comes out on Monday. Yeah, look, Scotty Pippen underpaid. I think that's, that's mm, yeah. the first one. Um, uh, the big takeaway was that the team can be bigger than what management is, and if they wanted to stick together and do that, they go on and win the title. We all know that. But mm. it's an amazing story of uh, Phil Jackson being able to manage egos, being able to manage situations. When you think about it, he had Dennis Rodman wanting to go on holiday mid-season, uh, which we'll see in the next episode. Scotty Pippen wanting a, a new contract and holding mm. out and getting surgery. And being able to get that team day after day, game after game, ready to go, uh, I don't think he's ever been really appreciated as what he's been able to handle. And Michael Jordan, and, and I agree with you there, Jamie. I remember him. He he used to win games single-handedly, and, and he, the shots he used to pull off and his energy, it, it was it's absolutely incredible to, to relive it. Yeah, it was. Uh, the other thing I took out of it, boys, and being a Celtics fan is, a lot was made about the 112 points he scores in the first two playoff games 
of the 86 uh, first-round playoffs. Mm. Uh, it meant sweet FA to me because the Celtics went on and won the championship. <laughs> it's a footnote, isn't it? Like, at the end of the day, it, it didn't really make an impact. And I guess that was Jordan's early career is would he have team success because he was such an individual. So yeah. he used to put on 40 points, you know, 50 points, but his team was, you know, what they call them? The cocaine circus. The team was, I, I'm sure the, uh, the families of those teams, those, uh, those members were probably sitting there quite nervously. <laughs> yeah. Imagine being the husband going and the wife looks over and goes, Oh no, I wasn't in that room. I, wasn't the, I think I was playing uh, across the road at Detroit then. Now, Jamie, moving on to the sweet and sour podcast and the beer wars, have been unveiled. Yeah, boys. Uh, Beer Wars Sweet and Sour podcast tomorrow on Sour Wow Official on my Instagram. We are voting the first round of the Sweet and Sour Beer Wars. 16 matchups. Uh, a lot of controversy already on Twitter about the matchups, but I stick by my matchups. Uh, Carlton <laughs> VVB has copped a lot of criticism. Yes. Well, that's not my problem. If you want to run your own Beer Wars, you can make up the matchups. <laughs> Uh, how you like on the Sweet and Sour podcast? I'm the boss, um, but it's been it's been outstanding. We've had a bit of fun with it. Uh, we had Hawks beer, uh, Bob Hawks beer. You know the, the company there, Hawks Brewing. They sent us a case trying to get some more votes, so we've we've tried them and uh, give them a little pump up Bondi Draft. Um, yeah, just tasting all these beers. But look, it's a little bit of fun. I think a lot of people, you know, see me as a bit of a wanker and you know <laughs> taking it too serious and all that stuff, but we all picked a beer each. It was 32 beers. It's going to go for five weeks. We're having a lot of fun with it. All the pale ales taste the same, boys. So the criteria was, you know, the pale ales are probably, um, I don't know if they've had their day, but they're certainly, you probably only have four or five of them. Uh, the classics, the internationals, the coronas, you know, they've been around for a while. The two is news and all that, they've been around for a while. It's the lagers that are coming in. Bloke in a bar, a Den and Kemp's beer up there mm. north. He's at the Caxton now. Bolter, uh, like I said, Hawks, Bondi, all these beers, uh, for me, the littler brands are coming up and, and taking over. So, um, you know, I said to the boys last night, we did an emergency beer wars podcast, boys, and I said, <laughs> it, is it a good beer if you can drink under six of them and want to change the spirits? Oh, it's, oh. it's exact. That's a really good point. And, Great criteria. And uh, what about Kempe's beer? Uh, what's the taste like? Because he's certainly pushing it. Yeah, he is. Uh, he's done very well, Den and Kemp. Uh, I've known, I played with him, and uh, you know what he's been able to do with his brand has been amazing. I chose it to win. It's it's absolutely yeah. You know, it's pumping free organic beer. May have been a little bit of a, a rigging of the uh, competition uh, with the organic beer in the first round. But um, I tell you what, I had a bit of this Hawks and Bondi. It's it's a tough group that one. We're enjoying it. Before we get on to the NRL, mate, uh, the news coming out of the Soured Camp. There's going to be a plus one in September. <laughs> yeah, boys. <laughs> oh, how good. <laughs> well, I'm going plus one in August, so it uh, must have been a pretty yeah. good month. Uh, it, uh, it was. Uh, December was a very good month for me, um, <laughs> leading into Christmas. Uh, no, yeah, look, uh, we'll be having another little girl in September, so uh, I think uh, there's, there's two scenarios. I, I think it's the 2040 WNBA draft. I'll have the point guard and shooting guard somewhere in America. Or... Uh, I'll have the seven and six for New South Wales. So uh, whatever whatever they want to do, of course I'll support. But uh, they will be pushed into basketball or rugby league. And, and you heard it here first. Hey, mate, I want to talk about. Obviously, the beer wars is what's capturing everyone's attention. But you talk about the NRL and and you know beer and the NRL kind of go together. And I just want to know some change rooms really you know value that beer after a game. You know, does it beer still play a place in the change room, or have you been in change rooms where it's strictly forbidden? Where do you sit with that? Oh, look. When I 
I came into first grade, uh, you you came off and you had a beer, and you, even when you lost, you sort of you may not have enjoyed that beer, but that was the sour taste that remained in your mouth. You know, at, at the, how bad a beer was uh, after a loss. Uh, Peter Wallace and I made a real effort uh, our last couple of years at Penrith to sit down and have a beer after every game and uh, enjoy that because we probably knew we were coming to the end of our career. But um, it's now replaced with gherkin milk, uh, gherkin water, and chocolate <laughs> milk, and all that, all that crap that's good for you. And for me, just give me a slice of pizza and a beer and. I'll go home and worry about maybe being dropped for next week. The, the best beer that we had was after the 2010 Grand Final. Uh, we went down and we sat in the change rooms. We stayed the night at, at Cogra, and we sat with Norman Arthur in the middle of uh, the room. And you went round and you had your skull, and we had the championship cigars uh, that I had bought uh, ready for those occasions. Well, Norman Arthur must have had about 50 bottles of, of beer and wine because they were absolutely covered. So... Um, <laughs> I remember walking out to the bus and I said, I said to Gaz, I said, Gaz, we've got to clean this up a bit. So bloody Mark Gaznier grabs a toothpaste and gives Norman Arthur a little a little toothpaste <laughs> before we got her on, got her on the bus. <laughs> oh, mate, May 28th's the date. Uh, the NRL have locked in uh, tentatively. That is the restart of the league. Uh, any ideas on the structure of, of what 2020 will look like? No. Uh, you know, it's... It's not only the players, I think it's the broadcasters and um, you know people that work around the game, including myself and, and you guys that are, are fans as well and working on it that are, are waiting to see a little bit more clarity. I think, uh, like I said you know, last week, we needed a date to aim for and uh, the, the NRL and you know, Wayne Pearce and that have been able to do that. But uh, in terms of what competition it's going to be, how long it's going to run for, I think that'll come out in the next couple of weeks. But... Uh, it's exciting. I just want a day where we pick up the paper and uh, we're not worried about what's going on behind the scenes. We just we start get, focusing our attention on the players, the Roosters going for a three-peat, you know, the storylines involving the players. Certainly. Jamie Soud, thanks very much for your time this morning. Uh, best way to get in touch with the Sweet and Soud podcast? Yeah, make sure you download, uh, subscribe on Apple iTunes, Spotify, but on my Insta story, there'll be 16 round one sweet and sour beer wars uh, that we're doing. So make sure you get on and vote for your favourite beer to go through. This is the off-season and heard right across the Resonate Broadcast Network. It's approaching 11am on this 26th day of April 2020, the off-season. Just about done and dusted for another week. Big thanks to our contributors, um, Luke Bates from Golf Queensland, Jamie Soward, Scott uh, Power, Brooke Richardson, Rob Luck and Jay Morris as well as the two lunatics in front of me, Scott Parkinson and Nick Backstrom what's he in the chair as always but before we go it's time for Parko's Rate of Origin Ooh. Ooh, a subtle feel to Rate of Origin this week and a subtle player is the guy that we're looking at and his name's Luke Longley he was part of the uh, NBA probably the first Australian to make it in the big leagues so without me saying too much Overrated, underrated, or properly rated, Nick Backstrom. Well, as you know, I don't follow basketball that closely, but uh, you know that is a remarkable achievement. And the fact when you put this up as a question, I went, "Oh, Luke Longley, I haven't thought of him for years," and he should be one of the Australian heroes, you know, up in the sporting pantheon with the big names. So I'm going to say he's underrated for that very reason. Completely underrated. Um, one of the Australian basketball's greats. He was a pioneer in the NBA, and the Last Dance which is about the Chicago Bulls, not once has he been mentioned. And if you did notice, I know you would have noticed, there was a scorecard that was posted. I think Jordan got 56 points. L Longley, 21, 10 rebounds. 
he was a great part of that franchise that was the Chicago Bulls um, in the latter part. Yeah, underrated, 100%. Yeah, and you're both correct. Well done. Um, I don't like when you both agree because I have to split the points, but he was underrated. <laughs> and a really interesting story about Luke Longley was he came into the Bulls when Michael Jordan was having his baseball sabbatical. So when Michael Jordan rocked up, they didn't see eye to eye. And Michael Jordan didn't really appreciate what Luke Longley actually did, set screens and did all the little dirty work that, you know, basketball teams need those players to do. It was only when Luke Longley was injured that Jordan actually realised how much he actually relied on him and started to appreciate him more. So was he was he a star? No, but he was pretty good. He had some pretty good games. Did he ever him. come back to the NBL? No, I think his body was pretty much done by yep. the time he retired. He kind of retired from the NBA probably earlier than he needed to with, with knee injuries. Um, but yeah, you're exactly right, pioneer. And um, he will be featured. He will come out on that documentary at some point. But that's a classic, that style of player. It's like, you know forwards in rugby you know they do all the they do all the hard work get the ball yeah. to the people who do the scoring the people who get do the scoring get the notice the things that don't yeah the things that don't show up on a stat sheet do you yeah. think in the last dance we may see a cameo from someone like George Murison Sean Bradley or Manute Bowl well I don't George Murison couldn't speak English so I don't think he's out <laughs> Sean he, Bradley. He's actually in a movie. <laughs> yeah, I know. A yeah. star of a movie. Sean Bradley. Jeez, I haven't heard that name for a while. And the other one, I don't think so. What's the only thing they probably got cut? They're, they got edited out straight away. What part of The Last Dance are you particularly looking forward to? I'm really looking forward to the stories around Dennis Rodman. Yeah. I mean, this is a guy who just was wild, just used to be in Vegas. There's actually a story coming up, and I don't want to give too much away, but Michael Jordan actually had to go to Vegas to rescue him before the NBA finals. <laughs> so, <laughs> he was out of control. But was allowed to be. Um, they used to send players out with him just to, to mind him. Um, but out of control. But that's they let him do that. They needed him to... He would go out to Vegas until 4 o'clock in the morning, but give them 30 yeah. rebounds look, the next Look, day. any sports lovers that haven't got in onto Netflix and watching uh, The Last Dance, please do so. Do yourself a favour. It's only two episodes in. You can catch up now. I know Nick's going to be going home this afternoon and doing so. Uh, and, and the great story that surrounds probably one of the biggest names in sport that has ever been, that's Michael Jordan. And just again, it just shows politics... Can ruin everything. Yeah. It's been the off season uh, heard across the Resonate Broadcast Network. Thank you to Nick. Thank you. Scott, it's always a pleasure. Yeah, you too. And we'll be back again from 10 a.m. next Sunday with the off season. Have a great week.